Named in honour of the great Naranjiri inventor and first published author, the David Uniapan Award has recognised the unpublished manuscripts of Indigenous writers since 1989. It's been won by some of the best. The late Doris Pilkington, Larissa Barrent, Tara June Winch, and Ellen Van Nieven. Debut writers with now-established careers. This year's winner isn't a debut writer. In fact, just last year, she edited and published the world's first collection of blackfella speculative fiction. This all come back now. Let's meet Dr. Michaela Saunders. Jingi Walla. My name's Michaela Saunders, Dr. Michaela Saunders now. Um, I'm a Koori Gori Lebanese writer, teacher, and the editor of This All Come Back Now, which is the world's first anthology of blackfella speculative fiction. I have been writing for a few years now, um, publishing for a few years. Uh, I mostly write fiction with a bit of poetry, life writing, and research stuff uh, thrown in. And Michaela, you have been named as this year's recipient of the David Uniapin Award. Uh, congratulations. You. What's your manuscript about? Thank you. Um, it was a wonderful, wonderful surprise to hear that news. It's the fourth time I've entered that award. <laughs> twice with this manuscript so it just shows that perseverance pays off um so my manuscript is called always will be and it's stories of guri sovereignty and survivance from the futures plural of the tweed so this is a short story fiction manuscript speculative fiction all of the stories there's 18 of them um they're all set in my community where i grew up in the tweed and they're all set in the future, but they're all different versions of the future. So some of those futures are very, very close to us, like almost on our doorstep. In fact, some of them I wrote a few years ago, and I feel like those futures have already arrived when we think about, you know, housing crises and gentrification and all of that stuff, um, climate change, flooding. But some of the futures are a lot further off. Um, you know, I imagine you know, what the Tweed might look like with the oceans risen and, and the rivers reclaiming their banks. Um, there's also lots of different climate and political scenarios in there. So there's one future where blackfellas run the show and not everyone likes that uh, and for good reason because they're pretty violent about it. But it's, it's just a mixture because what I wanted to do was I wanted to think about what my community specifically might look like in the future give or take a few tweaks of the current reality you know um there's so much australian speculative fiction out there and a lot of it has been written by white fellas and a lot of those white fellas have excluded us from the future so you know my favorite world is mad max and i've always loved mad max but there's only one black fella in that whole in those four movies and the black fella's dead he's a ghost and to me that's a really apt metaphor for how you know australian writers envision us in the future that is we're not there um australia's already tried to genocide us so now and i won't let them get away with doing it in the future in our stories too a lot of this work has come from your phd and the work you've done to study speculative fiction as a genre and the way that First Nations people engage with it, write into it, and also are read. Why is it so important to see 
blackfellas in the future? Well, purely because, um, you know, the Australian government, um, colonial and, and current, have tried to erase us from the future in real time. So we need stories that show us in the future and not as just downtrodden and poor and incarcerated and broke and struggling um, because there are some stories that do include us but usually in these ways. And for me, I wanted to show what Guri sovereignty would look like in the future, no matter what kind of future, um, because I know, if I know my people and I do, um, you know, we've never given up sovereignty and we never will. It doesn't matter what that kind of future will look like. So that's been important. Now, on a personal level, um, my grandmother and my great-grandmother and my great-uncle were all part of the Stolen Generations. Um, and as we know, that was the government's attempt to erase us from the present and from the future. And so as a descendant of these people, um, it's really important for me to write the stories where you know, the young people in my family can see our people in the future. Not that we're not there or we're having a hard time of it, but we're living in community, in culture, we're connected to country, we're thriving. Even if things are a bit hard, or, you know, they're not all happy utopian stories. Um, you know, some of them are pretty grim still, but, you know, we're blackfellas, we've got a sense of humour, we've got each other. And I wanted to show those that happening in the future too. Mm. You mentioned that this is the fourth time you've entered. <laughs> um, yes. I love a story of perseverance. <laughs> what do you think it was about this, this time that it was different? Editing. No. Yeah. I mean, yes, editing. But look, let me backtrack a bit. This isn't the fourth time I've entered with this manuscript. Okay. I entered with a novel that I'm working on um, in 2017 and it didn't get a look in. Fair enough, it was terrible, it needed work. The next year I had I, I'd worked on it, I'd done, done a bit of editing and then the next year it actually got shortlisted, no actually it was 2020, it got shortlisted for the Yunaipon Award and that gave me a lot of encouragement to keep working on that. But in the meantime, I'd been writing this story collection as part of my Doctor of Arts degree at Sydney Uni. And that was really taking shape. And I thought, oh, these are this is starting to look good. I'm going to enter this one in the next, um, you know, upon award. Again, first time, didn't get a look in. <laughs> Again, fair enough. Because when I reread it, I thought, oh yeah, she needs some editing, this one. So I sat down and I just read through it and I did what needs to be done. Um, I, I find a real pleasure in editing my own work because, you know, I, I read my old work and I cringe and I think, oh, it's so bad. But to me, that's an opportunity to make it better, you know, to use my skills as a writer, as an editor, as a reader to figure out what needs to be done and just to do it. So that's what made all the difference to this year. Um, I had edited it. I'd thought more cohesively about the collection and how all the stories speak to each other. They weren't just a bunch of random stories. They actually had their own kind of bigger story they were telling. So almost like a novel, but, you know, in different chapters of history. And I think that's what, you know, that's what got it up there this time. Yeah. <laughs> a little earlier... This year, I was talking to Avon Weldon, who has very recently published her debut novel, um, which is in more of a romance vein. And she talked about not really understanding sort of the way that genre is categorised and, and that being 
somewhat freeing because she didn't have to think about what rules she was conforming to and what ones she challenged. But it also, the reason I thought about it is that when she had been shortlisted for the Uniapen a few years ago with this work, someone had talked to her about, oh, I could never write genre, it's too difficult, it's too... <laughs> because of all of these constraints that exist. Obviously, this is a this is a space that you've been thinking about a lot. Do those rules make your writing easier or harder? Like, how do you interact with them? It's a good question because um, normally I would not care and I would just write, but I would just write what I felt like and um, it would be up to the publisher and the bookseller to decide what genre it is. Like, it, it's not something that I would care too much about. But because of this project, because I was studying this for a, um, an academic doctorate degree, I really did have to think about genre. I had to figure out what genre was. What is speculative fiction? What is this umbrella term that contains science fiction, fantasy, um, you know, alternate histories, uh, all the different weird genres that aren't quite realist or naturalist? And I realised I'd been, I'd love these. Uh, genres for such a long time um, you know I'm a 80s 90s kid I loved um, Terminator movies uh, as I said Mad Max all those kind of th- and they're all science fiction dystopian I've always loved them but when it came to this project I had to set my stories in the future which then necessarily made them speculative if I set them all in the here and now it wouldn't have made it wouldn't have been I mean, I could have added different fantasy elements or, or whatever, but I, I was specifically thinking about the future. The last few years, we've seen such a huge increase in the global ambient anxiety around climate change and our futures. And I think that's true of everyone, um, all different cultures. But I know for our people, we have already lived through an apocalypse. This isn't new to us. We are across this continent already post-apocalyptic people. Our old people survived their own genocide, you know, and we're here today. We're, we're, you know, in a lot of ways we're struggling through it, but in some ways we're still thriving. So I wanted to think about all of this stuff in the future. Sometimes I have a problem with genre. I think it's very restrictive. You know, when people talk about science fiction, for example, they're thinking purely about technology, electronic technology to be precise. So they think about lasers and computers and stuff. But I wanted to think about what would science fiction look like in a cultural context. So I have a story, it's called Firebug, and it is about our cultural use of fire, which is a science. It's a tool and a technology. It's a, it's a body of knowledge that's built up over millennia, which has very practical applications, which are also cultural. So a science fiction story generally um, has some kind of science or technology impacting the story and the social world. But for my story, it was the cultural use of burning and fire that impacts it. So to me, that's a science fiction story. It's just an indigenous science fiction story. Um, it doesn't really concern itself with computers and stuff. That said, I do have a few stories that are set in kind of virtual reality worlds. Um, you know, there there are those technology, uh, you know, concerns in some of the stories, but they're not the focus. The focus in my stories are country, community and culture and how characters, you know, uh, relate to each other within and across those spheres of life. Michaela, I'm going to be thinking about that idea of challenging what technology is in science fiction for 
years. I already know that that's going to be a thing that will keep coming up. <laughs> so the award, the award is for unpublished manuscripts, which kind of leads to that natural thought of your intention to publish. <laughs> is it too early to ask about that? No, no, it's not too early. Um, I am usually what happens is you hand you, you know. You, when you've submitted to the prize, your manuscript then gets sent to the publisher. But I actually asked the publisher, can you give me a month or so just to go over it again? Um, I had, I actually had written a few more stories I wanted to put in there. Um, so the there's three more stories that have got to go in. Um, and I, I just wanted to go, I'm such a perfectionist. I don't want anyone reading my stuff until I think it is the best thing I have ever written in my whole life you know and that changes a few years later when you read it and you see a mistake but for now I want it to be the best 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 thing so um, at the moment I'm going over it just once more I've printed everything out I'm just reading through it just to see if anything sticks out at me so that's a roundabout way of saying we haven't decided exactly when it will be published yet but it will be next year 2023 sometime it will be you know up to the publisher University of Queensland Press um, and we'll just have a yarn about that but it will be definitely next year because um, I've got all these other things I want to publish too you know this I'm not resting on my laurels (laughs) well that's the thing you've you've got these um these pre-existing relationships with publishers and editors and one of the values of that is that it demystifies the process for you. Is there something that you want to talk about in terms of like how this might be different or a continuation? I don't know. Different or a continuation of those relationships and the and the way that because I think partly because I'm thinking about the that you're an editor yourself yeah as you, well i mean, not, not, yeah, I mean done you have done sorry <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. you have edited yes. yeah. <laughs> yeah so one thing um i've got to tell you i was really surprised that this short story collection was shortlisted because it is genre fiction you know it is um it is all all these stories are set in the future uh, these are not real world current world stories um they're all speculative i'm thinking you know what might happen if the oceans rose or what might happen if you know there was an aboriginal coup in uh the local government and you know i'm thinking through these questions and to my knowledge um you know the majority of people who've won the this like incredible prize and incredible writer some of my favorite writers have won this prize um have all tended to be you know a bit more realist um, and set in the here and now or even in the past so i'm actually really excited that there is an interest for genre fiction but it, it kind of tracks with what i've been seeing um, over the last few years of studying the genre and seeing how our people have always loved writing it and people are you know, Australian publishers are starting to finally publish a lot more and audiences love it. They're lapping it up. So I edited the anthology, This All Come Back Now. Um, it was a bit of a hard sell because my publisher was a bit like, well, we don't normally publish speculative fiction and anthologies are hard. But I was like, no, seriously, 
this is it's the time and we're right we've just gone into our second reprint which is incredible you know and it goes to show that audiences um, are really really interested in reading weird different aboriginal stories not just a certain kind of aboriginal story it's it's time for us to expand you know every other culture gets to have a diversity of storytelling modes and genres why can't we um so yeah it, it's it's really exciting um to see that you know, um, genre fiction is getting recognised. And of course, I'm not the first or the only one, but um, I think about Lisa Fuller, who wrote Ghostbird, um, and she's won all these incredible prizes. Um, and, you know, she has a very fraught relationship with the genre or term speculative, but I think she generally, like, accepts what, you know, what, what it's meant to do as a term. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really cool time for our writing and, and our weird writing too. Not, I don't want to disparage other people, but you know, just, I'm a weirdo. I like the weird stuff, you know, it's, and it's cool to see it having its time in the sun. Dr. Michaela Saunders, speaking with me in the green room at the Blue Mountains Writers' Festival. Michaela is this year's winner of the David Uniapin Award for an emerging Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander writer. If you can't wait for her collection to be published, you can find some of Michaela's writing, along with many other First Nations writers, in This All Come Back Now, which is edited by Michaela and published by UQP. You're listening to Away, Indigenous Art and Culture on RN. I'm Rudy Bremer. Find more great ABC RN stories that take you beyond the headlines on the ABC Listen app.